All right, well, summer is upon us, and it is such a good thing, is it not? Do you all talk back to Aaron when he preaches? All right, you can talk back to me too, and if I get lost, I'll just ask you to help me find my place. (laughs) The idea of summer, though, there's lots of things that are important to me about the summer. One is baseball, and so my wife and I are actually celebrating our wedding anniversary, and one of our traditions is a baseball game. We started our married life in St. Louis. I'm watching a Cardinals game playing the Cubbies that day in 1993. Is that right? All right. (laughs) Summer. Summer means baseball to me. It also means weddings, and I'm actually really thankful that as far as I know, we don't have any weddings planned this summer. (laughs) As my wife and I have watched our three oldest kids get married over the last two years, two of them two summers ago, and one summer ago, my daughter. The idea of a wedding, though, is something that is summery, and it's also biblical. The language of the wedding is used in the text that we're engaging today, and I understand you are going through the lectionary readings in the book of Revelation. And so there's lots of big themes, biblical themes that span the entirety of the biblical witness. And one today that we're going to talk about is the theme of a wedding. In particular, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb, you hear it every Lord's Day as the Eucharist is served. Blessed are all those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In many ways, that language, the marriage supper of the Lamb, is the culmination and the theme of all of Scripture, that this is the goal, this is the outcome, this is the fundamental work that God wills in history, that God's will is, using the language of a wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb is to reunite himself with his creation. Through the grace and through the power of Jesus Christ, through the death on on the cross and his resurrection, that God works a great miracle of salvation. God, through Christ, forgives our sins and unites us with our Father once again, reestablishing us as persons made in his image. To understand this gift, I'm going to pretty much collate the word salvation with the word the marriage supper of the Lamb, the whole gift of God and how God is leading us towards something. God is leading us towards union with himself. We see this language in verse 1 and 2. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Why do you think during the Easter season the book of Revelation is read in this year. When you think about things that are real, one thing that we may not think of being real is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation having fantastical imagery and things that we often don't understand what's being talked about. The Easter season, though, is about reality. The Easter season is about reality, as we remember Jesus being on the earth post-resurrection for 40 days. And what did Jesus do during those 40 days? Well, he showed himself to be alive. He showed himself to be alive to more than 500 people. And they did a live kind of things, touching each other, eating, touch my wounds, real. The book of Revelation. As we think about this concluding book in our New Testament, Corpus, The idea that it was written to a real church, to real people, 
struggling with unimaginable loss helps us understand why the revelation being a vision of heaven helps in the realness of every day. I'm not an exact historical person as it relates to somewhere in the 90s, we think, maybe. The Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, somewhere in the 90s AD, maybe 100, to a group of people who were under intense persecution, to a group of Christians, to Christians in general in the known world who were facing incredible pressure to deny their faith. Incredible political pressure, incredible political violence against them and their families for their stubbornness in retaining clarity about who the true king of the world was and who they worship in worshiping Jesus. So salvation, the text says, in the midst of your great struggle, in the midst of not knowing if you're going to make it, in the midst of not knowing if this is going to be your last day breathing like normal. Salvation and glory and power belong to God. They don't belong to the Romans. They don't belong to the emperor. They don't belong to your adversaries who seek your death. They don't belong to anyone but God himself. Salvation and glory and power belong to God for his judgments are true and just. Blessed are all who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The reality that the will and power of God trumps all else that the reality of the salvation of God is our fundamental gift that anchors us in this life and in the life to come because the gift of God is life eternal. Life eternal is the salvation of God. It's the real, the realness of what we receive in Christ and that we walk in him each day. The text continues in verse seven. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. In the middle of loss, in the middle of circumstances outside of your control, in the middle of potentially losing your life or your family losing their life, if you stand up for the truth of the gospel, know this. Know this, the fundamental reality. Let us rejoice and exalt in it. Let us give glory to God. Why? For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. God is bringing his salvation to us. He is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. And in time, in history, he will bring it to final conclusion. And so John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is Encouraging his listeners, encouraging his listeners to put primary weight to the reality of the power of God. And as we live our lives, it's a great temptation to put primary emotional weight on other things. Each and every one of us cope with life differently, but each and every one of us struggle putting too much weight on this type of circumstances that might be happening to us, putting too much weight on our relationships with another, 
putting too much weight on our own ability to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. The text encourages you and encourages me to put our full weight on God, to trust him completely. To trust God completely, let us rejoice and exalt and give God glory, for he is here. He is leading, and we can trust him time, now, and into our future, and yes, into eternity. So pretty soon in our liturgy, we'll come to the Lord's table, and I'll say those words, blessed are those who are invited And as we receive the body and blood of Christ, we receive a foretaste of the fullness of God's salvation that will come at the end of time. And that foretaste is our sustenance. Each and every Lord's day, the foretaste of the glory of God is our sustenance for daily life, is our sustenance for daily perseverance is our sustenance for there is something that I am living for that is beyond my circumstances or my feelings or the statements or the feelings of a neighbor that I live for a reason outside of time. The very person of God who makes himself not just available to us, but that by his very life brings us life. Life in God The salvation of God is kind of like preparing for a wedding. It's kind of what we're doing in our daily living is we're preparing for a wedding. Listen to this text from verse 7 again. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. One thing I know about weddings is it's really important to be ready for them when the day comes. My daughter, Micah, was particularly careful about certain things she wanted for her wedding in order for her to feel ready. Her sister-in-law is a seamstress, and she had a vision for her. Could you make me a dress that looks kind of like Scarlett O'Hara's from, the, from Gone with the Wind? A three-tiered one. I don't know what they're talking about. But it was beautiful when it fit her just right. And underneath this beautiful, delicate dress was the other thing that Micah wanted in order to be ready for her wedding. She wanted canvas yellow tennis shoes. So there they were. She's a weirdo. (laughs) I blame her mom. (laughs) The idea, though, of being ready for the big day. Being ready for the big day. Today, our privilege is being persons made in the image of God called to become something beautiful. That you, child of God, have been created in the very image of God, and today, the very gift of God's presence is with you, leading you on a grand and great adventure towards Christ-likeness. Each one of us are on this road, this road of discipleship, this road of great joy, knowing whose we are and who we are and what we are becoming. This clarity, this clarity about what we're preparing for, what we're getting ready for, the ultimate culmination of God's great work 
This reality, this hope anchors us and moves us forward. Continuing in verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with the finest of linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Throughout the book of Revelation, saints show up. Martyrs, others who have given their life. And when we think about the word saints, I think a better word for us is the word hero. When I think of heroes, and you're gonna, I don't think you said where I grew up, did you? I'm going to share with you my heroes and see who knows where I'm from. My heroes are Alan Trammell and Bo Beckler. Anybody know? Holler it out. There you go. I grew up right here. The idea of having heroes, we can relate to heroes. We can relate to it because we all have them. Athletic heroes, other kinds of heroes in our life. The Bible, in particular the book of Revelation, is full of heroes. Heroes that remind us that we are not alone in this journey. That as we get ready, we are clothed with the righteous deeds of the saints. There's different ways of interpreting that, but for me, what I want us to land on is the idea that the righteous deeds of the saints go before us. Remember the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, where person after person, the writer of the book reminds us of greatness, reminds us of what a person who trusts God looks like reminds us that we have an incredible cloud of witnesses that we are surrounded by. And at the top end of chapter 12 in Hebrews, the writer says, in light of this reality, in light of the reality that you are surrounded by heroes, surrounded by examples, surrounded by cheerleaders who are saying, you can do it. Lay aside every weight. In light of that reality, lay aside every weight and every sin that is holding you back and run the race that God has given you with perseverance. One of my greatest regrets, and it's kind of silly, but I think everybody has these in their life. My greatest regret growing up is that I quit eighth grade football. I quit because I just hated the workouts, running uphill. There was no reason to do that. <laughs> I regret it. <laughs> I forgot why I brought in that illustration. <laughs> do you have any idea, Denise? Running the race. Not quitting. Yes, there we go. <laughs> All right. Not quitting. I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to quit. I'm tempted to quit this Jesus thing. I'm tempted to quit some days just because it is too hard. Because the calling is too steep of a hill. What's going to keep you going? What's going to keep you going? What's going to keep your eyes fixed 
today from the lens of this text. Keeping your eyes on Christ, for he is the one in whom we hope. He is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Today, in the midst of a sea of ups and downs, we have a rock that we can stand on. And therefore, from the lens of this text, don't quit. Don't quit. Trust God. And hear these final words. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Each and every Lord's Day, we're encountered with wonder. Each and every Lord's Day, we're encountered with the opportunity to be in awe. Each and every Lord's Day, we are encountered with the opportunity to recognize the unspeakable privilege that you have because you are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You are invited to experience and live into and revel in the very presence of God that is with you today and is leading you today forward into a future that is unknown in one sense. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. But a future that is sure in its ultimate sense that God himself will make all things right. God himself will wipe away every tear. God himself, through the power of the grace of Jesus Christ, is restoring you into the image you were first created in and will bring it to culmination, to climax, to fulfillment at the end of time. You are a privileged person. I pray today that you'll remember that.